How's it going, everyone? This is Jason Navarro. You're listening to Tongues Out Podcast, and let's continue our conversation talking about how do we get ourselves out of the shitty situation we are in in life, and how do we make ourselves happier? So that's what we are addressing this entire week. If you've missed the last three episodes, I would definitely and highly recommend you go ahead and listen to uh, especially Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, yesterday's was also just as important. This whole week is just important. So Monday, I kind of talked about like the the background as to why I'm doing this week about um, this revelation I had about just noticing a ton of people, especially during this pandemic. A lot of people that are just um, down on the luck, are sad, depressed, whatever negative adjective you want to use. And on the other side, I see a lot of people that are, are taking advantage of this opportunity that COVID-19 is bringing them, including myself. I, I would honestly say that um, this pandemic has been nothing but um, something that's just been a, an amazing experience for me and my wife. We've had our difficulties, of course, just like almost anyone else. You know, I, I not so much my wife, but myself, you know, getting uh, laid off from work and not really and, and being laid off in a market where literally there's. The, the one of the worst impacted cities in all of the United States. And so, uh, and being a new parent, it, it could definitely be stressful, but um, I went ahead and, and took advantage of all the things that I've, I've talked about this week. Essentially, um, if you didn't have a chance to listen, Tuesday is, is phenomenal because I talk about why making mistakes and, and, you know, changing your, your perspective on failure and why that's important is something that you should definitely take advantage of and, and to uh, become an embodiment of that almost. Now, again, this isn't talking about like making mistakes that affect others, but ultimately if you have mistakes that, you know, are only going to hurt, you know, affect you and aren't detrimental to your health, then definitely jump on those and, and try to do as many of those as you can, because those are all just going to be learning experiences. And if they do affect others, just learn how to address it with those people and, you know, apologize and don't just go willy nilly just doing whatever action, especially if it affects another person, think a little bit more about it. And so uh, Wednesday's podcast was about problem solving. Yesterday's podcast and problem solving. Honestly, if you just listened to Tuesday's podcast and just did that for the rest of your life, you would you would definitely progressively get closer to the things that make you happy in life. Or, or progressively get closer to what it is going to, or the thing that's going to be making you happy. Um, Wednesday's podcast is about problem solving, essentially how to accelerate your ability to get to where you want to be at. And I think problem solving and a, being an effective problem solver is one of the fundamental tools, honestly, to getting yourself into the situations that you want to be in and how to get yourself away from making too many mistakes. Um, and I went over just like some techniques and things to think about. And in yesterday's podcast, I was saying, uh, I was telling people uh, or I was letting my audience know that essentially probably I should have positioned that one to be something I talked about initially on my Monday or Tuesday podcast just because, you know, ultimately um, it's it's we need to first think about the things that are going to make us happy. And for a lot of people I, I've met and talked to, some people don't even know what it is, the thing, and, and, and um, you know, they can't even name things that, that make them happy. They're so down on their luck that they can't even name and describe things that could make them happy in, in their life. And that's the first thing you need to address. It's like the, the first thing you need to really sit down and, and reflect on is, is what can 
make me a happier person. And in yesterday's podcast, I talked about how it's important to not, um, not base your happiness based off of one single either event, item, or person. If it's a uh, if it's an if it's an experience or experiences, then definitely um, those are, are those are great things to uh, list as items that would make you a happier person. But if it's I see a lot of people that that base their happiness based off of just one person or just one item, like one car or like one I don't know. And then once they ha- either have it or they don't get this item, it really affects their mindset. And it's just like you shouldn't really do that. It should be more like, uh, in general, like what makes you happy as a person. And so today, um, you know, it, it, it's sad that we live in this world that we live in and, and capitalism is is the society that we, we live in a capitalistic society. What, what that means is that money pretty much makes the world go around here in America. Now, there are a small percentage of people that just don't really care for this and I'm one of those people, and then there's a, a a very small percentage of people that definitely don't care about money and and would be very comfortable just living in a shack or in a box, and as long as they have a a trusty surfboard or skateboard or or a book or something that they can have with them or a tree, that's all that matters to them. And I'll never see eye to eye with those people. I've met a lot of people like that. And I, I delved into that world for a little bit when I was first living in Colombia. And it was definitely a great experience, but it just wasn't for me. But also I've been on the other spectrum as well. And I've worked 68 hour, 60 to 80 hours a week. And that also is a spectrum of, of employment I never want to be in as well. Um, I also am not comfortable with 40 hours a week. And I the last six, six years have been living completely comfortably working 20, 25 hours a week. And, and making a livable wage from that. But um, how do you do that, right? How do you, how do you find those things? And so um, I talked about it many times in this podcast. My, my background is essentially I have no college degree. I dropped out with one semester left before I got my four-year degree. Um, well, I talked about it already, why I did that. And, and, and of course, like, you know, people can reflect on that, including myself and be like, you know, it's the stupidest thing you you've could have ever done. But I don't think so. I think it allowed me to choose professions that allow me to not go into this mindset of working a nine to five Monday through Friday mindset um, because I've done that before. So what jobs could you do that allow you to manage your time? And so I think that's today's podcast. And I'm going to share with you like what I'm what I'm doing now, like what I'm currently doing and how um, it's like recession proof. It's uh, economic boom proof. It's like any any economic period. It's 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 protected. Um, it's selling a product that anyone can believe in. It's a required product, <laughs> and um, but we'll talk about the very end. I'll, I'll like I'll bring that. Actually, let's talk about it now. So. Um, in my pursuit of thinking, like after COVID-19 hit and I was thinking to myself, like, how do I continue? Before this, I was a brand ambassador for a cannabis company. I was making great money uh, working a schedule that essentially I was a contracted worker. And um, there would be a schedule that was put in place. And 
if you had the availability and you and you performed, then you would get more shifts. And then I was just comfortable working X amount of shifts. And uh, the the company was able to offer me those shifts. And so I was making, you know, a, a, a healthy amount of money, not including the side money I was making from like the Las Vegas hospitality industry as well. And so... Um, but that was kind of more on a robotic system. And I went over that already in my podcast about like the hospitality industry and my, my big secret on how I like, um, developed an autonomous system, not autonomous system, but like developed a system where it doesn't really require a lot of my time to make, you know, extra money on the side. But, um, and so those two things combined allowed me to not really work more than, you know, like I said, 25 hours a week and making a comfortable living wage, like 50K a year, which is perfect for me. And um, prior to that, I was working in the hospitality industry full time and, and full time was, again, like 20, 25 hours a week. And again, making that 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 type of wage as well, sometimes even more. So um, after like COVID-19 hit, though, it really, really impacted the type of jobs I could think of. And honestly, this is an industry right now where it's like a, a definitely an employer guided market at the moment at the moment. It's like before it was like, you know, employees had a lot of say in kind of like the companies that they could work for. There was almost everywhere you would look, you just go on Indeed and look up any kind of job profession. It was like every company was looking for for an employee with that job skill set. So, I mean, it was easy to find a job. Maybe not the job that you want or the company you want to work for, but it was easy to find work. Now it's completely different. I mean, a lot of businesses are going under, small small mom and pop businesses are going under. So you really need to reflect on, okay, first off, who didn't get impacted by this, this crisis? Um, medicinal, or not medicinal, sorry, medicine. So... Um, the medicine industry didn't, you know, doc, people still die. People still get sick, especially during a pandemic. And so there are a lot of nurses and doctors, um, though I, I found out that actually, um, a lot of hospitals make a majority of their money actually from elective surgeries, not like, you know, an emergency, but more like people that need operations that aren't really required. They could put them on a back burner and they're also some of the more expensive, um, charges as well because again they're just not really required and these are more elective things so most insurance companies don't really offer to cover these uh things and so uh these these pay a considerable amount of money and a lot of wages for nurses and so when elective surgery started to get shut down in a lot of cities a lot of nurses would get laid off as well which i thought was pretty crazy but i the cool thing about being a nurse though not the cool uh, yeah it is a cool thing one of the great things about being a nurse is that you can travel anywhere in the in the United States and pretty much get a job. And so there's a lot of job security in it and not a lot of education that's required. I think anywhere between two to four years, depending on how invested in school you are, right? So that's one job field. Um, another, uh, another one that I thought about possibly getting into is like dental hygienists. Like I love, uh, I love my smile. I think that's probably the only the only good physical feature on me <laughs> is my smile, um, and that's because my mom got me uh, braces when I was younger. Told me she would murder me if I didn't take care of my teeth. So, you know, my mom is a very tough Latin woman sometimes, and you know, you don't want to piss her off. No, I'm joking, but she did say that. Um, 
So that always followed me and I always made sure to take care of my teeth. But uh, one of the cool things is like through the process of, of going to go see your dentist religiously every or two times every year is that you start to like talk to these people. And uh, one of the things I thought was cool is like dental hygienists, uh, the amount of schooling, again, it's like a two to three years of education. But the cool thing about dental hygienists is that um, they kind of make their own schedule. Maybe the first year you're working at, like through a dentist to gain some experience. But then after that, once you get some years under the belt, then you're able to some dental hygienists get paid per person's teeth that they clean. So they're the people that come in and, and do your teeth cleaning before the, the dentist actually comes and looks at like your grill and, or at your teeth and, and um, tells you, Oh, like you need like a, this or that. But most of the time, most people deal with dental hygienists that like, when they go in to get their annual, like their uh, semi-annual cleaning, and those people make good money. Some dental hygienists, what they do is that they actually don't work for one specific dentist, but they work with different dentists. And then they go in and then they have an agreement with those dentists where the dentist will pay them a commission based off of how many clients that they see in a given day. So you're not really paid per your hour, but more per the amount of people that you can pretty much clean. And if you're a good and effective dental hygienist, you can make a considerable amount of money and bounce around a different dentist's office the dental, dental, dental hygienist I actually have right now, she works only three times a week. And uh, it's what, what's her days? It's Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, Fridays, and Saturdays. No, 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 sorry. Tuesday, Wednesday, Fridays. And um, it's a schedule that works for her. I, I think she was telling me that her husband works. Like they, they make it work so that, you know, they have kids at home. And so they're always able to, you know, have one parent around. And she doesn't work that many hours. I think she was telling me she works like no more than 30 hours a week, depending on, you know, how busy it can be based off of like what, what dentists have scheduled and, or what their offices have scheduled. And she makes a killing. Like uh, she was telling me like maybe like 60, 75 a year, which is pretty amazing for that level of education. And actually, if you look it up, dental hygienists actually have one of the highest rated, um, scores based off of like, um, employee perspective on their jobs and their wealth as well. So the comfortability and flexibility with that career path is actually one of the highest in a non, um, in a non four year degree position, which is pretty amazing. And so, um, that was one thing I was thinking about doing. Um, but I think you can see where this is all going. This is like all requiring some form of education, right? So, Again, it was going to take about, you know, a year to two years to possibly three years of education. And could I live, you know, could we survive with me being in school and maybe me doing something on the side? Yeah, probably. But I don't, I just want to be happy. And so I was like, okay, so if that's not the thing, who else didn't really get impacted by this epidemic? And so I started to think like bigger picture. I was like, well, okay, rich people didn't. Okay. Okay. So clearly rich people didn't. What could I possibly do for rich people? Um, consulting work, but that again would be very difficult. Like I would have to, to develop a, a client base. I would have to start to reach out to every single person on my phone. And a lot of people don't have that capability. They don't have a Rolodex of a, you know, a ton of people that they can start to cold call and be like, hey, like uh, I know you're probably struggling uh, currently right now with COVID-19. Um I'm a, I'm a effective problem solver though. Like I'm a pretty good problem solver. 
So why don't you tell me like what problem that you're having right now? And let me see if I can take a crack at it. And if you like what I'm saying, then maybe hire me, you know, per hour to see, or I could do like an introductory, like few hours of work for you. You let me know what you think. And then after that, we can talk about like, you know, what I'll charge you per hour. I could do that. I've done that before. Um, but again, that, that would probably pretty or be pretty difficult at the moment. And, and I would have to like start, I don't know when the first client would come and, it, and I don't, I'm not a big fan of cold calling per se. I've done it before, um, but I'm just not a big fan. So that was out of the question. I was like, okay, digital marketing, I could get into digital marketing. And actually I wanted to get into like learning how to still trying to motivate myself to learn how to like edit, make websites and like uh, edit content online and like edit videos and, and get into that. I was like, yeah, I could definitely do that. I could get into streaming. If I talk to my wife and we kind of get down to like making a schedule, I can get back into streaming. And like, like I was talking about my podcast two weeks ago about streaming. It's a great endeavor to be in. But I was like, I don't know. Uh, I, I just wasn't confident that those things would reciprocate a good amount of money that I used to make very quickly. If I spent a lot of time and invested, I could probably be there in like six months, but I was like looking for something that was different though. I don't know. I was in the mood to look for something different. So I was like, okay, not streaming. Streaming's great though. Honestly, I would recommend anyone to get into that. Like I talked about in that podcast and, and it's like one of the very few COVID-19 proof things right now. Um, so it's like digital marketing and, and like website development. Honestly, you can get a ton of work doing that whenever, to be honest. So if you go and you don't need a degree for that. So if you want to self-teach yourself like programming, honestly, there's so many resources out there with um, YouTube and uh, what's the thing that I use right now that I can't even think of the name of at the moment. Uh, oh my God. Skillshare. Oh, Almost forgot. Skillshare, uh, they do like an introductory rate for like the first couple months where you can get it for free. Essentially go on there and learn. It's like a phenomenal service to learn pretty much any skill set. But I was like, I don't know. I'm not like it wasn't for me. And so I was like, okay, license work then. Let me think about license work. And so I was like the two big ones I could think of that I know of is real estate and um life insurance. I was like, well, life insurance, um, it's a lot of cold calling. There are some businesses that actually have a good friend in Florida that's making a killing on life insurance. But the thing about life insurance is that it really requires people to be invest, like to not miss a payment and they have to like continue making their payments for you to make, you know, a good amount of money. You can make a ton of money, but also you don't really get a lot of leads from that. And so I was like, no, you know, I'm not, I don't want to again, do the whole cold calling and reaching out to people that are probably struggling, paying their bills. And I was like, real estate might be something to think about. And actually I've entertained it for a bit. I, I was thinking about doing it a couple years back. One of my good friends, his girlfriend is a great, uh, like they're close friends of ours. And she is, she was doing well. I don't know how she's doing right now, but she was killing it in the real estate industry. And I was actually thinking about getting into it with her but ultimately I just didn't because at the time I just didn't want to be a bookworm and, and learn something, which is funny because the thing I'm, I'm doing now <laughs> requires a ton of, of learning and it's a, it's a licensed job. And so let's just talk about what I'm doing now. 
So the last three months, I have been preparing myself for next week. I'm actually going to finally be able to sell. Um, but I, I still got my life insurance and my health insurance license actually here in the state of Nevada. And most states really, for what I'm about to talk about, really only require you to have the health insurance license. But if you're already studying for health insurance, most of the time they recommend to just get both of them out of the way already. Because you never know, life insurance is always a good thing to have. Like if I ever do want to sell life insurance in the future, I can. It's not really something I'm ever going to be doing, but I can offer it. But actually what I landed on that I never even knew of until I looked out, uh, I found this company that had excellent reviews on Indeed one day, and I was looking for job positions that allowed me to work remotely. So I was searching for job positions uh, remote, and there wasn't many things that were being offered, but I found this company and very highly regarded. And um, I read customer reviews and 4.7 out of 5 with 750 reviews from customers, um, literally 70, 70 reviews from employees with like, again, like a 4.5 out of 5 reviews. I was like, okay, shit, this is the type of company I need to be working with, to be honest. And so, but I never really even thought about like what it is. And I read that it was like, you know, you're selling insurance, but this is a type of a different type of insurance. And I was like, wait, what? Selling Medicare? Medicare, like what people need when they're older? You can make money off of that? There's an industry? Like I thought that was just something that they get through the government. Like I've heard of Medicaid and um, like my daughter right now, she has Medicaid because Nevada offers uh, for the first year, all babies born in Nevada, no matter what your income level is, they offer them insurance, which is pretty awesome. And so... um my daughter has like Medicaid. So like when I thought when I've, I know about Medicare, I've heard of plenty of people using Medicare. Um, but there is an actual, like most people can definitely get their Medicare coverages through the government. And so the way it works is like, once you're 65 years old, this is traditionally like how most people get Medicare. Uh, there are, there are exceptions to this. Like younger people can get Medicare, but normally it's like when you turn 65 years old, there are two Medicare plan, three Medicare plans that are required of you to get, and if you don't get them, you get um, you get dinged every month or year, depending on the the plan that I'm talking about. But you get either dinged every month or year uh, as a penalty for every time for every month or year that passes without you getting coverage. And if you don't, it becomes very expensive. So most people get it early on. So that's why I say it's required. Actually, you automatically get Medicare A for free. It doesn't cost you anything. So everyone always gets A for free and then B cost money and D cost money as well. And each thing covers a different thing. Medicare D covers prescriptions. Uh, Medicare A covers uh, hospital costs and Medicare B. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very like, I'm, I'm summarizing this like to like, there's, it's more to this. Trust me. Way more to this, but and then Medicare B essentially is for uh, specialty uh, specialties, uh, um, doctor visits, and so that it covers that, and so that's why B and D are are things that people have to pay for. They have to pay a monthly premium for them, but they're very low. I mean, based on like especially depending on like the type of drugs people get when they are older, and the type of specialty doctors that people have to see when they're older as well. That could be very expensive when it comes out of pocket. And so people can get those plans from the government 
but those plants don't cover everything and they're not ideal generally because they're pretty expensive. Uh, there's no maximum out of pocket generally with some of the plants. And so, um, you can, you can have a pretty hefty bill technically if you just stick with just original Medicare. And so what uh, some people do is that they get uh, what's called Medicare Advantage plans or Medic Gap or like supplemental plans. And the supplemental plans are a little bit different than Medicare Advantage. And I'm not going to go into what each one is, but essentially they just, they offer everything that Medicare offers, what like a Medicare A and B offer, but then they offer other coverages as well. And, um, you can make money selling these, these plants that people want. And most of the time they actually benefit people because yes, I mean, you could go your first like five years, maybe and not require any healthcare services, but the older you get, eventually age is going to catch up to you and your bills are going to be very expensive. You're going to kick yourself in the ass for not getting a good health plan. And if you're still with original Medicare, you're going to be paying a ton of money. Um, you probably saved for the first few years, but after that, you're going to be eating in the app. Like you're going to eat a, a big expense in the future. And so that's why for some people, they just go ahead and get these amazing plans early on. Some of them don't even charge premiums. They just have like co-pays and co-insurances with them. And essentially I can sell this service no matter where, because ideally um, or not ideally, but technically every every day someone's turning 65 and there's open enrollment periods depending on the type of year and the type of plan that people are able to change their their coverage and you're able to reach out to people or excuse me you can only reach out to people that reach out to that inquire about this as well so it's a pretty cool uh, um industry because i'm not i'm never cold calling because you're not allowed to uh, this industry is super highly regulated by the federal government um that's why I've been literally training for the last three months. I've been taking multiple tests. I've had to take multiple tests with every provider that I work for. And I'm, I'm, I've been, now I can um, sell through 10 different insurance providers and you all heard of them. United healthcare, Aetna, Anthem, um, and, and, and so many other, or, uh, other providers I can't think of at the moment, but I'm technically insured through all of them now or licensed through them to offer their Medicare plans to, to people. And they each have their own requirements and testing, but the company I work for is really great because they, they really hold your hand and guide you through the process, which is pretty awesome. They just, they don't really help with the initial ta- like the initial license to get your initial like life and health license. But once you get that, then they kind of help you do, I mean, literally so awesome of a company, but I've heard a lot of other companies that focus on Medicare are, are the same as well. And you don't even need to work for a company. But the cool thing about this industry is that, um, every time you sell a Medicare plan, the federal government regulates every single year. What's the maximum amount of commission that you can make based off of a plan, the type of plan. And so it's public information. You can see exactly how much commission I, I, I can make. And depending if you work for a company or if you do this yourself as a broker, either you split your commission or you don't. Like if you work for yourself as a broker, you kind of have to generate your own leads. And that's a lot of like grassroots marketing and you have to go like introduce yourself to people. And again, it's like very regulated. So you can only do it certain ways. So really to become a broker is really only recommended like once you have experience in it. 
So when I work for a company, um, there's an agreement where there's a commission split, but I don't mind because they provide me a million leads that are generated for me and I can work from home. This is a cool thing too. Um, It's a job where you can work anywhere. You can meet people if you want. You can meet older individuals and sit down with them and help them um, navigate Medicare because it's pretty complicated. I mean, if you go and and try to research the Medicare, like, like Medicare information. <laughs> oh my God. You're going to understand what I've been going through the last three months. It is insane. So for a lot of people, it's so much information. They kind of need guidance and they need help. And so they need someone like myself to help them navigate and find them the, the appropriate plan that, that covers their prescriptions that they have, allows them to see the doctor that they want to see and allows them to have the flexibility that they want, because that's very important for as you get older. And it's cool because it's a product that I can believe in. I've always had insurance. Um, my daughter has been seeing doctors and, and I could see just like, thank God, like that she has great insurance. Um, because if not, it, this would be such a headache for me, me and my wife right now during this like crazy pandemic. And um, yeah, just thinking of all the people out there that are, are, are suffering and don't have insurance, it really sucks. And so this is something that's super important, but luckily, like when you're 65, you you automatically get some form of coverage. It's just sometimes it's not the best form of coverage that you can get, and so it's pretty great. the The market's regulated. The I can't reach, I can't harass people, and I I don't want to do that anyways. And it's a product I believe in, and I think that most people uh, definitely need like great quality care. And so that's what I am. I'm their point of contact when it comes to like any questions they might ever have with Medicare. I could sell it online, like I could sell it over the phone or a video conference and then essentially send them the contract. They fill out the contract and I get paid on that. And then what makes this industry so great is that you make a commission. It's not as high as like uh, life insurance commissions. But the thing is, is that most people don't change their, their Medicare coverage because it's very specific and it's covering specific needs that they have. The only reason they would change it is if in the future something dire happens to them and they need more coverage. But in that case, they're, they're probably going to come back to you anyways because you're their, their uh, concierge that's helping them with this. And you're their, like their point of contact. And so you don't really lose out on anything as long as you do a good enough job. And seeing all the reviews from my company and all the people that have been happy with them, you know, I know for a fact these people are going to come back to me uh, just because we just have this like great level of care for, for, for these individuals. But the cool thing is, is after the first year, once they have, uh, they completed their first year of coverage every month after that, you make residual forever until that person passes away or if they were to cancel their coverage and, and use a different agent. Um, those would be the only two ways you really lose your residual or if you lose your license, which I'm not planning on losing my license. It took a lot of work to get that. Um, but I would definitely recommend it, honestly, for a lot of people that are, um, and it's not a selling job per se, because again, you're not really selling, you're, you're more an information expert, because there are, like here in Nevada, there's about 36 different Medicare plans that people can have, um, and each plan is completely different in what they offer and, and the type of benefits and coverages that they can get, and so it's, it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot of information. And so you're essentially um, 
there, there's a, a lot that you can offer to people pretty much. And it's, it's a lot for people to try to take in as well. And so there's, there's a lot of value behind what you do because there's just so much information. No one's going to know which plan is right for them. And so you're not selling them. You're just listening to what they need and then pointing them to the right plan. And then no matter what plan you point them to, you're going to make money from it and you're going to make residual money from it as well. And the residual money is phenomenal. Um, Let's just say, uh, and you could look, you could do your own research, but they say on average, if you can do, once you do a hundred plans, like, or you've helped a hundred different people get Medicare coverage, the residual from a hundred plans will already get you, you know, a $50,000 a year salary residual pretty much, (laughs) which is pretty insane. I mean, I think that's pretty awesome. And that's from like a hundred plans. And then like, once you do, you just do the math, they say 